Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. In this episode, you'll hear principal dancer Sarah Van Patten in conversation with choreographer Kathy Marston. This episode was recorded on Friday, May 29th, 2020, before the streamed performance of Kathy Marston's Snowblind. Hope you enjoy. We're live. We're live. So um, I want to say welcome, everyone, to San Francisco Ballet's Shelter in Place Meet the Artist Conversations. I'm Jenny Scholick, the Associate Director of Audience Development here at San Francisco Ballet. Um, For those of you who are based here in the Bay Area or have been watching a lot of these Friday streams, you know that we normally do these Meet the Artist Conversations in person, in our theater, immediately before a performance. Uh, But with everything happening with COVID, we have moved everything online. Um, And so I will just ask that you bear with us if we, I don't know, I have a little dog. I'm going to put myself on mute and let these two talk. But, you know, if the dog starts barking or the internet cuts out or anything happens, please just bear with us and be patient. We are doing our very best. Um, Today's Meet the Artist talk is going to be a little different than usual, um, as instead of me interviewing an artist, we have two artists here interviewing each other, choreographer Kathy Marston and principal dancer Sarah Van Patten are going to be in conversation about the ballet Snowblind, created for the 2018 Unbound Festival, and which will be streaming shortly after this conversation concludes, about the creative process, and about Kathy's 2020 work for San Francisco Ballet, Mrs. Robinson, which unfortunately we have not yet seen, but all have our fingers crossed that we will see it soon. So with no further ado, I'm going to turn my camera and microphone off and hand it over to these two. Enjoy. Hi. Gosh, now I can't to talk to it. It's just you and me, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Slightly odd with a lot of people listening in. So I thought it would be really nice for us to have a chat because I didn't know you when I first came to San Francisco Ballet and now I know you pretty well, or at least as a dancer, we've been in the studio and made two ballets together. And I'd love to hear from you uh, how the whole process or the two processes really have been for you. So I thought maybe we could interview each other and, and uh, Jenny liked that idea. So I hope you, that's okay for you too. Sounds great. Um, shall I start? I'll ask you a question. You can ask me a question. <laughs> so I, so to explain to the people listening, the way that I usually start a ballet is without any movement. I don't come into the studio usually with any movement material or very little, um, but I do come with a whole load of research about the story um, that I'm wanting to make a ballet on and usually a list of words for each character. So in the case of Snowblind, there are three principal roles um, and the part called Xena was the part that Sarah um, created. And I will have these word lists and I'll talk to the dancers about the part and I'll sort of share with them these words, which are really, the lists are distillations of the research that I've been doing. And then we will start creating movements with those words. And sometimes I do that one-on-one with the dancers. Sometimes the dancer will go in another studio, in this case with my assistant, Jenny Tattersall, um, and jam a little bit, improvise with those words. And sometimes the dancers do it in a corner on their own. and I would love to know, Sarah, how that was for you, because I guess that was pretty different 
Do you want me to remind you? I wrote down some of your words in case it helped. Do you want me to remind you of some of your words? Um, sure. Just so the audience can hear. So the audience, yeah. So, so the part Zena is, is not a really sympathetic character, at least not at the beginning. Um, she's a hypochondriac. She's, she's the wife of Ethan Frome. It's based on, the story is based on Edith Wharton's novella, Ethan Frome. Um, so Zena is the hypochondriac wife. And we use words like self-examination, bitter, tight, closed, twitchy, demanding, attention-seeking, pernickety, brittle, um, perceives herself as a victim, cold and manipulative. <laughs> How was that for you? That's a great role. <laughs> it was actually, and it is. Um, so yes, I um, was super, super excited to be part of this work. Um, first of all, when you came to choreograph Snowblind, as you said, we didn't know each other. But for me, um, and I've worked with many choreographers over the duration of my career, but it was the first time that I got the opportunity to work with a woman uh, choreographer, which was um, an amazing experience just to start. Um, but also not knowing anything about your process and, or the story, um, just coming in completely blind to it. Um, it was definitely the most interesting start to the process. And I would say probably one of the more transformative experiences that I've had, um, which I think says a lot and why I think the ballet is as successful as it turned out to be. Um, so Initially, I'm, I'm not as, um, I'd say we, we don't normally come in and, as you said, are given um, kind of words and uh, emotional uh, kind of background in that way to, like you said, explore the movement and the steps. Um, it's always been, I would say, in me in a way that I tend to love to do dramatic work and create characters on the stage. Um, and I think you kind of, with the choreography that's given, that I'm always, you know, bringing into the emotional, con uh, whatever the emotional side of it is, but kind of stripping that back and starting from what are these emotional feelings and words that then creates the movement is another and really fascinating way of creating this story. Um, and so, yeah, at the beginning, you know, turning around and looking at myself and just, like you said, we just stood in the studio and I remember the first thing we did was try to figure out how does this character walk? Um, just how does the character stand? How does the character look, you know, and just kind of setting that tone um, out of kind of what instinctually uh, we both uh, create um, was very fascinating. It felt very much in real time, which is what I loved about it too. And even as we created Xena and then later on created Mrs. Robinson, I felt like, because it it came out of that direction, it's never a finished step because it's always you're coming at it from that emotional place, that word and those intentions. And it can always be evolving um, in these real people like, you know, people are, you know, did you did it continue in performance to evolve? Yes, for sure. It's something that it never just 
you know, it was never the same. It was, you know, I felt like I deepened my experience of Xena. I felt the more I performed her, the more I rehearsed her or just experienced the work, the more compassion I had for this woman, mm-hmm. understanding her um, and just was able to really develop that side of the character that I think is so important in this story and, um, and kind of how it ends. And so, yeah. But let's, let's, scrap, let's scrap our order that we planned because you've started my second oh. question. So I'm going to go into that. Because I wanted, because you, I mean, it wasn't, it's not the, the it's not the nice part necessarily. Right. It's not the one that, you know, the romantic lead, so to speak. It's, she becomes this sort of very, very um, strong force within the ballet, but it's, she's not the sort of blushing young thing that, ever, that Ethan falls in love with. Um, and yet, by the end, I think I'm totally, my heart is with her on stage. Um, and I think a lot of that is down to what you brought to, to the part throughout the rehearsal process. But how do you do that? Do you have to feel sympathy for her as a dancer, do you feel? Or how, how do you find that? Um, I think for me, it just evolved naturally. And I think that was also um, very strongly as how you guided the the rehearsals in the storytelling of the piece. I wouldn't have gotten there myself without that kind of direction, which is why I do find that the way your approach to creating work is so unique and can be so um, moving as an audience. Um, And I think for me, because, you know, it wasn't just the first few days, you know, hearing the words and developing this, like you said, this kind of more, you know, uh, not the romantic Juliet character, but, you know, rigid and kind of, you know, not a nice person on the outside. Um, it was through the experiences of developing that, that I actually found the softer layer underneath and the vulnerability and the humanity in her. And then this really complex and beautiful story of who she is, um, try to find how that transcends and comes through in all of those kind of scenes. And so I, and moments in the piece. Um, and it wasn't just at the very end that I feel all of a sudden I kind of melted and you saw her as being, you know, helpful and, you know, uh, expressing some kind of love, but it's actually in little ways throughout the whole piece. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, in ways that, you know, just a, a second glance even back or a softening of a gaze or just little insights into her um, throughout what seems as she's dismissing um, Ethan or dismissing uh, Maddie or, you know, being kind of... Those, those things are so fun for me to work with. Like when, when I started working with you and realized that you were going to engage on that level with the part, it, it's such a joy because it means it's it's not just me, you know, suggesting movement and saying, can you be cold? Can you be rigid or, or so on? But but you were adding little layers to it all the time. Um, and then for, for the viewers who don't know the story, the reason that I wanted to make the ballet, I guess, is that the story is pretty simple. Basically, Ethan and Zena are married and they have a, a sort of housemaid called Matty and Ethan falls in love with Matty possibly because Zena's become such a cold kind of hypochondriac or possibly not. Anyway, Matty, they're discovered, you know, they have a little liaison and they're discovered by Zena and she throws Matty out into the cold and um, 
that Ethan goes after her and they realize that they can't live with each other and they can't live without each other. And so they throw themselves into the elements. And in the book, they, they take a sledge ride and sort of, it's a suicide pack, a pact, essentially. Um, in, the, in the ballet, they throw themselves into this sort of snowstorm, um, and, but they don't manage to kill themselves. They just really hurt themselves. And then in comes Zena again. And I just remember these rehearsals, which I absolutely love doing with you, when you come in and you see your husband and his lover on the floor, and all of the different conflicting emotions that then go through your head. Do I turn and leave them to die? Do I help him up and leave her to die? Do I bring them both home? All of these different thoughts were going through your head and the betrayal and the love. And anyway, I, it was such a joy to work on the complexity of that moment with you. Thank you. I, yeah, it's definitely one of my all time, you know, you have these moments maybe, or these career places where you feel on the stage that you're able to transcend in a way that happens only rarely. And I would say the moment that you're talking about that I hope the viewers stay to to watch in this work, um, that would be one of them for me. Very, very special moment on the stage in this section. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I have uh, one of my questions I'll just put out there because it kind of uh, runs into what you're saying. Um, the way that you create your work is so unique um, and is so wonderful, but it's also so personal. I think between like we've, I would say I've been very lucky to develop such a, have this special relationship together to be able to create work in these two ballets, but it, you came to San Francisco Ballet not knowing anybody, I, I don't think, of the dancers. And so when you come in, for, like you did San Francisco Ballet with your work, how do you, first part of the question, how do you cast your work with something like this? Um, and also, do you have an idea of, I would say, I know you don't know the steps, but exactly kind of what you want it to look like mm -hmm. as it's completed? Mm -hmm. um, or is that... Well, the casting thing is tricky because I didn't know anyone. Helgi invited me and I had three weeks to make this piece. And actually that was one of the reasons why I came to Ethan Frome as a story to interpret because, you know, some stories you, you know you need a very specific type of dancer to do that character. And I thought with Ethan Frome, the three characters of Matty, Ethan and Zena, you know, none of them are outrageously old or young or tall or shorter, you know, there's nothing very, very um, definite that you have to have. Um, so I thought, okay, well, I'm likely to find these people within a large ballet company. And then I got really lucky because in it was part of the Unbound Festival. You remember there were 12 choreographers all making pieces over the summer. And so Helgi divided the company into three. So I got given, I think, around 25 dancers of San Francisco Ballet that I could cast from. And you were one of them. <laughs> so that was really lucky. It was very, very clear. I mean, straight away, it was just very, very clear. Um, and actually, Mathilde, who did Matty, uh, the part of Matty, wasn't in the group. Um, but I remember we did a bit of dealing with, uh, who was it, Trey. Trey McIntyre was choreographing at the same time. And he needed more principal men and I needed a, a other, you know, more women. So we did a bit of swapping. Um, you just have a sense of the type. When it's a character, I think you just, you have to make quick decisions. I didn't know 
that you were going to be such a creative partner in it. I could see that you had this sort of look and for anyone that has not seen Sarah on stage, she's got these like scarily magnetic blue eyes that just like go right to the back of the auditorium. And you, you know, you really did have that ice cold look and I thought, okay, well I can work with that anyway. Um, but I didn't know how much you were going to give creatively. And, and, then the, and then the next time I came back, well, the story is that I was in Leeds creating another ballet and I was wandering around a bookshop thinking, what am I going to make for San Francisco next time? And uh, I knew I wanted to work with you again. And on the bookshelf, there was the graduate just sitting there. And I was like, Mrs. Robinson, Sarah, that's it. <laughs> so I picked up the book and then I discovered it was made, it was written in San Francisco. So it was like, okay, that's that was supposed to happen. So it's, that's more fun. When you know a company, then you can start to imagine parts. Really. Um, but it was, a, it was a strange experience coming into San Francisco the first time. Not so much with the, with the leads, because I think, you know, you've done dramatic ballets before. You, you, it's not that unusual. The way in with the words might be different, but essentially you know what it is to tell a story through your body. Um, but I think for the group in the piece, it was a harder introduction because, uh, as the viewers will see in a minute, I'm asking the corps de ballet not only to be, in some scenes, their friends of the characters or neighbours, but in many of the scenes, the group are portraying snow. And so this the story happens in this really snowy landscape in New England. And it's, um, it's all about isolation, which we all know about now. Um, but the, the, the Ethan and Zena live in this little house in the middle of nowhere, a little farmstead. And the snow, I wanted to portray the snow as sometimes, you know, very hypnotizing and sort of tickles you and almost sort of enchants you. And at other times it can be very biting and sort of um, attack you almost. And it can also smother you. I mean, it can be very heavy snow and dampening. It can take sort of sound away. Um, and distance you from things. So I wanted to, I guess, in a, quite an expressionistic way, um, amplify the story of the main protagonists with the corps de ballet. Um, but beyond that, to answer your second question, no, I didn't know what it was going to look like. <laughs> I have, you know, for the group, I had also lists of words describing snow, um, but I didn't have much movement. I, did, I think I did make a couple of phrases up at the beginning because that's always helpful when you first start with a new company. Um, but most of the material was made up in the studio, as you say, in real time. Um, and it's, I love, I sometimes think it's like excavating. You kind of have a plan, but it's covered in sand and you just sort of start, you know, brushing away the sand and you discover this piece and hopefully it's really deep and goes down a long way. Does that answer your question? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so what was I going to ask next? I wanted to ask about your um, relationship with your partners because obviously we have a, you know, quite a big dialogue um, between us and that, that, that's in, within all of the people in the studio. So when we would be making a pas de deux or pas de trois together, uh, we, we would discuss that quite a lot between the three of us. But I also had the feeling that you went away and fixed things with your partners. And I was... <laughs> I was curious about how that works. Like what, what's, what's the conversation going on at the back of the studio that suddenly makes it work when I come back for the next rehearsal? 
Well, I think, again, what's um, so interesting about your process is we do come from the storyline. And so um, a lot of the movement, as you'll see, are very unique, um, which is what's so beautiful. Um, but we can decide what what it's going to intentionally look like. But there's still the, um, the, the like you said, the technique of it that needs the you know, the let's try this five more times to see if we can like actually make that lift or that spin work well to then bring it to life in the emotional way it needs to. Um, and so I think that kind of at the back, you know, you know, trying things over and over again, is just making sure to smooth out all of those details so that it can be second nature. And the worry of, okay, is this lift going to come smoothly around his back and down onto the floor so that I can you know, continue within the context of what we're doing and not have to worry about it. That mm-hmm. can take place because that is such an important part of the piece of the puzzle. Because for work like this, you really don't want to be worried about, you know, the the turn or the, you know, like I said, the lift coming down funny or whatnot. You want all those things to be solid um, mm-hmm. so that you can really focus all your energy on the storyline and like you mentioned, the relationships between the characters. Um, I'd say in terms of working with these other characters, what was very unique to this process that I also really loved um, wasn't just my own um, investment in how I was relating to Ethan and our storyline or the storyline that I had with Maddie, but also that I needed to be fully understanding and um, of what their storyline was and how their relationship and their story that I wasn't a part of, there's own special moments on stage where you'll see me up at the back, you know, up on the second um, stage, um, what that does. And I'm in a completely different room from where they are, but I'm still very much involved in their storyline and what's happening. And that third kind of story, if you were to say, or relationship, um, attention to that Mm -hmm. is what I, um, I invested a lot of my kind of time in thinking about, because I think that's where you really see her, you know, love of, of Ethan and her kind of back and forth when she really starts to um, figure out what, what she's going to do. What's her decision? Is it to go back downstairs and, um, and really know what the truth is and ultimately decide to save them both or, you know, what, what is it that she's going to decide to do? Mm-hmm. Um, so I found that part of it to be really interesting. Really interesting because a lot of that was, also, um, I think I probably encouraged that, but we didn't tell you at this moment, you are thinking this, or, you know, I didn't give you that much. Um, I didn't prescribe it so much, but what I really what I'd really love to say actually for anyone that's listening that might be a younger dancer is, and maybe you've got some advice for, for people here, is that that attention to the whole piece is so invaluable. And it's something that I often encourage uh, dancers in the group to take care of as well, because the works that I tend to make are really ensemble pieces. So although we're talking in terms of there being three principal parts and a group in this piece, the group are absolutely holding the tension um, for those three characters to tell their story. And if they don't, if they come on and they're doing 
the steps, no matter how delicately they're being snow, if they're not aware of why they're being that delicate snow or why they're being a piercing, piercing icy snow at another point, then it doesn't have the same effect. It's, it's amazing how that makes a difference. And I think it, the, the moment when I realized, and I think the group, the, the company realized it was going to be a good piece was when we first put it together. And maybe it was like we had that day where you add all the sections together and it's a bit of a headache. And then you try a run through and suddenly everyone goes, oh, <laughs> like that's why <laughs> it makes sense. And then they can start sort of giving the, the emotional support to, to the whole ballet that, that it needs. Um, so I would really encourage dancers to, well, to do what Sarah's been doing, what you were just describing with the part of Zena. Like in any rehearsal, keep an ear out for what is going on on stage, because even if you're entering into that space, you need to know what's been going on. Um, did, did, were you always like that when you were in, in the court of ballet, a young dancer? Were you always doing that work? Well... You know, it's interesting. I feel like this process um, and this character was one of the first characters that really um, brought that to light, whether or not I, because as I mentioned, like I, I love being a character. I love being in a story. I love it. Love, give me some drama. You know, it's one of my favorite things. Um, and I can really dive into who that person is, how they relate to, you know, their lover or their this or their that. But um, I, it was the first time that it was really apparent to me that this outside relationship of who I am was just as important, if not more important than, you know, how I am with these people. So, um, and I think it was the process of how, you know, we created this work that um, really showcased that. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's something that I ever thought about as much as I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad. Sorry. I'm glad, I'm glad that, that we, we met on those terms. And certainly coming back for Mrs. Robinson, actually, was, was quite a different, it was so much quicker with everybody. I think, um, it, I mean, it's a very different story, uh, but it was a real, real pleasure to be able to come into a studio and everyone knew what to expect of each other and how we were going to work together to develop the different parts. What else were you going to ask? What was I going to ask? Um, we've kind of touched on a lot of... Um, you, would, you, would, you did some choreography. I did, actually. And it's interesting because I felt this strong desire after we did Snowblind, where, again, like I, I loved kind of, um, you know, how you built the work and how that um, that kind of brought a different voice out of me, I would say, in terms of like we were just discussing um, into thinking about creating um, and how you create and how I can use my own strengths and what that might look like. So I did actually create my very first work that if you'd asked me like five years ago, I would have said, there's no way I would ever make anything. <laughs> but uh, Oh, absolutely not. But um and there was something so scary, but so, um, so exciting about it. And I absolutely loved it. Um, and I think um, it's something that I would love to, in time, you know, do again. Um, it's interesting, actually, I, um, 
uh, I was thinking because, so I created this little work, um, my only piece. And I remember watching it thinking, oh, I would have like, liked to have done this or that or changed that. I couldn't just kind of sit there. And I know it's the first thing I've ever done. I, you know, mm-hmm. I thought about it a lot before, but, you know, terrified about what it was actually going to look like. Is that something that you ever feel like what happens to you when you and you've established yourself obviously um done many many works but do you ever have your piece on the stage where you're able to just kind of sit back and no take it in or are you always watching it like thinking you know there's like a very yeah um so it gets to the point near towards the premiere let's say week or two before where i feel like i know what it should be and so all of my energy is spent on tightening the screws making all the details what I think they should be and I could keep doing that I mean I just need someone asked me actually today on a question uh, an interview thing um when when is the piece finished for me and I and I honestly answered when the stage manager calls the half because <laughs> I could I mean so, so usually someone is controlling me and saying Kathy they've had enough information be quiet but I could keep giving details until right the end. And then watching the premiere is this enormous sort of relief and I'm proud and I feel very connected to the dancers. Usually that's the best thing for me is I feel like we've gotten there together. Um, But then I could easily start working on it again the next day. And I, when I, I was director of the Bern Ballet here in Switzerland for six years and it was really hard because I watched all the performances and it, it, I found it so difficult because very often we didn't have time because we went into another creative process. We didn't have time to go back and really change anything. And yet I had to sit there and watch it, not be able to do anything. And I found that really challenging. And so now I'm quite happy when I go and, and guest with a company, I'm there for the first performance or two and then I leave. And then actually coming back to it a year or two later, which happens um, sometimes is really nice. It happened with Snowblind actually. We could we could sort of just sort some things out that felt a little bit fluffy, not quite as clear or clean as they might be. Um, and in some cases, I think I, I could make quite radical changes the second time round. Um, it would, I would really enjoyed. I created Jane Eyre for Northern Ballet and then restaged it on ABT and Joffrey last year. Um, and that was such a nice thing to do. I really enjoyed that because you, you've you got the ballet, it's basically there, but you can really start stripping back, asking questions, and you've got different answers coming back from different dancers. Um, and you don't always have the same version. I mean, I, I like having different versions with different dancers. Um, so no, I don't think I'm ever finished. Or, you know, that is I might have like one show where I go, yeah, that was it. <laughs> But it's fun. Do it more. Do another piece. <laughs> we'll see, hopefully. Yeah. Jenny's back. I'm back. I hate to interrupt, but speaking of um, never being finished, we are just okay. about at time. So um, I wanted to say a huge thank you to both Sarah and Kathy. I thought this was an absolutely fascinating discussion. I loved it. I hope our audience loved it as well. Um, And to all our audience members out there, thank you so much for your support of San Francisco Ballet. And we hope that you enjoy Snowblind. It should start streaming right about in an hour on all of our platforms. So um, 
Enjoy and thank you again. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts and other audience engagement programs, check out sfballet.org or your favorite podcast player.